This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. If you could rule the world, how would you do it? Would you rise up through overwhelming military force? Destroying anyone or anything in your path. Maybe you'd do it through politics. Preach ideas that appeal to the common masses. Get them to trust in you, to follow you absolutely. No questions asked. Then, expand your influence to a stage. Then to a podium. Until you sat atop the world where everyone could hear you. Or what about ruling through religion and theocracy? What if you founded a religion that became so popular everyone got behind it? As people struggled to find faith, you would be the one to reach out a warm hand, offering acceptance. The people would fall in love with you, believing your word to be scripture. But why limit yourself there? Why not seek control through business and finance? What if you could take over the world through goods and services? Your wealth and influence so great that it spreads across every financial institution. Banks, politicians, everyone would want a piece of your pie, and you could decide how and when they got it. Either way, everyone would know your name, your face. But would that be a good thing? If everyone knew who you were, and just how important you were, how perilous would your life be? If everyone knew who you were, how easy would it be to assassinate you? How many enemies would you have? How much danger would you constantly be in? Not only that, but your rule would be under scrutiny all the time. 
Every little thing you did would be monitored, talked about, and judged. How could anything really get done out in the open? Maybe that's why it's best not to rule from the spotlight, but instead from the shadows. For one organization in history, that was exactly their plan. Founded on popular ideas of the time, this secret society infiltrated other hidden orders, recruited their members, and usurped power from within. For 15 years, this secret society worked in the shadows of 18th century Germany, acquiring prestigious members of royal houses, academics, artists, and politicians. Their goal was ominous, control society from the shadows and steer it towards their own sinister goal. Luckily, that course was never found as the secret society was discovered and stamped out. Their secret reign was over. Or was it? To this day, there are those who say the secret society not only still exists, but has grown exponentially in power. Still, working from the shadows, they now control nearly every facet of our lives. Politics, religion, finances, and even the media. This group is none other than the Illuminated Ones, a.k.a. the Illuminati. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, the podcast where we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and groups. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. Welcome to part two of our exploration of the Illuminati. Today, we'll look into four conspiracy theories surrounding the Illuminati, their influence over the French Revolution, how they steered major historical events leading into the present, their plan for global control through the New World Order conspiracy, and who their members and leaders are today. Don't forget, if you want to listen to previous episodes, you can find them on your favorite podcast directory or on our website, parcast.com. Also, while neither of us are conspiracy theorists, we find the mythology behind conspiracy theories fascinating. The stories within them, how they are formed, and where they come from. That being said, we are open-minded to possible theories. Still, we're skeptical as well as curious. Most of the times, the official version is the truth. But sometimes, there's more going on than meets the eye. First up, let's give a brief recap of who and what the Illuminati are. Originally, a small order started in Bavaria, Germany in 1776. The Illuminati quickly grew over the course of 15 years, infiltrating the prestigious secret society of the Freemasons. There, the Illuminati's founder, Adam Weishaupt, with the help of his follower, Adolf Kaniga, converted members and built a fascinating mythology wrapped in mystery and ambiguity. What many people didn't realize was that Weishaupt and Kaniga made up the entirety of the Illuminati's history as an ancient order ruled by unseen benefactors. It was all a ploy to gather members and eventually replace the Freemasons as the premier secret society. However, Weishaupt also had other goals in mind. Having grown up in the 1740s, Weishaupt was exposed to the ideas of the Enlightenment movement, thanks to his mentor, Johann Ickstadt. Ickstadt instilled in Weishaupt ideas of rationalism and seeking universal truth through nature. 
These ideas, coupled with Weishaupt's disdain for how the Catholic Church and its order of Jesuit priests controlled most everything during that time, led him to the notion of creating a secret society, one that could infiltrate major institutions and take control. Thus, the Illuminati could make sure that equality and fairness ruled for all mankind. Yet, despite his teachings of rationality and equality, Weishaupt was anything but. He often got into fights with his other founding members, dubbed the Areopagites, and even his lead recruiter, Adolf Kaniga. Soon, the Illuminati revealed their existence to the Freemasons and broke away from the organization in 1782. Unfortunately for the Illuminati, they crumbled three years later. The Illuminati were accused of revolutionary and anarchist plotting against the church and the royal families of Germany. So the Bavarian Duke, Duke Karl Theodore, banned all secret societies on March 2, 1785. Weishaupt was forced to flee Bavaria for fear of imprisonment. He then faded into obscurity, writing several books about Illuminati and Enlightenment philosophies before finally dying in 1830 in Gotha, Germany. But even with the Illuminati's supposed death in 1785, the group still had nearly 700 members spanning across most of Germany. Many of these members were high-profile figures such as governors, chancellors, ambassadors, even dukes. And while the Illuminati itself may not have survived, its members certainly did, and so did its ideas. That's right. Despite all odds, somehow the Illuminati, or at least the idea of the group, has survived to this day. Even if you aren't familiar with secret societies or conspiracy theories in general, it seems everyone has at least some idea of who or what the Illuminati is. The same is especially true in conspiracy theories. It seems that no matter where you look or what conspiracy theory you're reading, the default villain behind it all is always the Illuminati. And we'll look over main conspiracy theories related to the Illuminati, compare it to historical records and facts, then judge whether each theory is plausible or not. Before we begin, however, we would also like to remind our listeners that we in no way support or advocate these conspiracy theories. We're just fans of the subject and want to explore their mythos. That's right. So, without further ado, let's dig into the evolution of conspiracy theories surrounding the world's greatest secret society, the Illuminati. Let's start with our first conspiracy theory, that the Illuminati have played a hand in influencing major historical events since the French Revolution. Four years after the Illuminati's demise, the secret society was implicated in its first major conspiracy theory. This was the idea that the French Revolution was masterminded by an all-too-alive Illuminati order. Between the years of 1789 and 1799, a bloody and terrible revolution was fought in France. Spurred by injustices from the Catholic Church and nobility, known as the First and Second Estates, the Third Estate, or the commoners and civilians of France, rose up to quash the insufferable rule of the nobility. Three major factors led to the French Revolution. First, the country had long struggled economically. Suffering from crippling debt, the monarchy imposed unpopular tax schemes. Second, 
A famine had sprung up from years of bad harvest in 1788. Depleted lands drove up prices for basic necessities like bread. And third, new ideas from the Enlightenment period that spoke of individual worth and seeking truth through nature rather than organized institutions spurred resentment to the nobility and monarchy. That being said, all three of these could be traced back to the imbalance of power held by the first and second estates, namely the Catholic Church and nobility. The Catholic Church and nobility controlled two-thirds of the government, holding the majority of the seats in the ruling group called the Estates General, despite being the smaller portions of the population. They also controlled anywhere between 30 to 40 percent of the land in France, which they received taxes and tithes on. The Catholic Church was also the official religion of France and collected additional taxes on births, deaths, and marriages. And like in Germany at the time, the Catholic Church controlled most education facilities. Other religions were outlawed, subjugated, and pressured into hiding. The people craved equality, and after struggling to be heard through various protests and conventions, the French Revolution officially began on July 14, 1789. Over the next 10 years of the revolution, France was irreversibly changed. The monarchy was ousted from power with the storming of the Bastille and the execution of King Louis XVI. The nobility was completely abolished with the Declaration of Rights of Man and Citizens, which dictated that all men were equal and such titles were non-essential. Those who refused to give up their land and titles were tortured and killed. The church was allowed to stay, but went through increased periods of suppression into the 1790s. Viewed as part of the old regime, or ancient regime, churches were converted to warehouses for the revolution. Clergy who didn't support the revolution and or renounce their faith met a similar fate to the nobility. Soon, a movement of dechristianization swept through France, which forbid any outward show of worship or religion. Instead, it was replaced with fervent devotion to the revolution in its entirety. This horrified the nobilities of Europe, who then called for war against the French Revolution in the hopes of saving the nobility and themselves in case of future revolutions within their own countries. From that point on, France was caught in one bloody conflict after another. Within France, a two-party system grew out of the rebellion, the Girondins and the Jacobins. These two parties fought viciously for control of the new Republic of France. The Jacobins, who were leftist radicals, eventually won out over the Girondins. But instead of bringing peace, the Jacobins brought about the Reign of Terror. This period during the Revolution saw the execution of nearly 20,000 French citizens from all three estates. The Jacobins' leader, Maximilien Robespierre, instituted dictatorial rule, where the slightest infractions could lead to your death. This ranged from speaking out against the new First Republic of France to not adhering to established food prices. While France was struggling internally, it also went through a series of wars abroad with Rome, Ireland, Egypt, and even the U.S. To top it off, several coups were staged within the French government. It was a period of constant upheaval until the last coup, led in part by Napoleon Bonaparte, finally brought the revolution to an end in 1799. Still, even after the revolution, France suffered many more turbulent years before finding peace. 
you may be thinking right about now, how does this tie into the Illuminati? During this time, two books were published, Augustin Barrowell's Memoirs Illustrating the History of Jacobinism and John Robeson's Proof of Conspiracy. Barwell was the first to publish his book, Memoirs Illustrating the History of Jacobinism, in 1797, around the height of the French Revolution. Originally a Jesuit priest, Barwell fled France during the Revolution in 1792. Anti-philosophical, he denounced many of the Enlightenment ideas and blamed secret societies, namely the Illuminati and the Freemasons, for bringing about the bloody revolution. In his book, he covered multiple volumes of conspiracies but pointed to the Illuminati and the Freemasons as being a point of antisocial conspiracy. He suggested that the Illuminati and Freemasons' goals were to destroy Catholicism's fundamental hold on society and to spread anarchy by touting anti-religious and anti-government ideas later adopted through the Jacobins in France. The secret societies were successful in doing this thanks to the help of Marquis de Condorcet, Count Mirabeau, Chaudelot de Laclos, and Rouget de Lille, the writer of the French national anthem, all of whom were members of the Freemasons and also pushed Freemason ideas to the public at the time of the revolution. The book became highly popular among right-winged and conservative thinkers who supported the monarchy and nobility. And not more than a year later, Barwell's book served as inspiration for John Robeson's conspiratorial book, Proofs of a Conspiracy. John Robeson was a Scottish mathematician and intellectual. Before writing his book, he was professor of philosophy at Edinburgh and even contributed to the 1797 Encyclopedia Britannica. However, during the French Revolution, he became an ardent monarchist and denounced many Enlightenment ideas. Robeson's book preached a very similar tune, though he differed from Barwell in that he suggested that the Illuminati had completely infiltrated much of the Continental Freemasons and used their power to push revolutionary ideas later adopted by the Jacobins. From there, he goes on to say that Freemasons members, like Count Mirabeau, were really radical Illuminists who chose to spread anti-clerical and anti-monarchy ideas to members of the Jacobin party. Again, their end goal was the complete and total destruction of the Catholic Church and its grip on society. To back up his claim, Robeson cited the Illuminati's infiltration of many German Freemason lodges for their potential spread across Europe. Like Barwell's book, Robeson's book became a smash hit. Thanks to both books, a new rise in anti-Masonic and anti-Illuminism movements grew into the early 19th century and beyond. The Illuminati grew both in popularity and public knowledge. It wasn't just in Europe, but in the U.S. as well, as evangelical Christian and right-wing organizations began to speak out against Freemason ideas and Illuminism, suspecting them of actually worshiping Satan. So this is how the Illuminati continued to stay relevant even after their supposed demise. Exactly. Well, but let's talk about the plausibility of these two theories. Is it possible Illuminati influenced the revolution in a ploy to destroy the Catholic Church's hold on society and stamp out the nobility? It's an intriguing premise and albeit not that far-fetched. Really? Well, hold on there. 
I'm not finished. While I think it's fair to say the Illuminati and the Freemasons may have had an influence on the French Revolution, I don't think they directly caused it. Interesting. What's your reasoning? First of all, while there were Freemasons working in the Revolution at the time, like Count Mirabeau, there were also Freemasons working on the side of the monarchy, like the Duke of Luxembourg, and even the Grand Master of France's Freemasons, Philippe Egalité. If there was one universal plan to overthrow the nobility and church, why wasn't everyone on board, especially the leader of the Freemasons in France? Wouldn't he let the nobility know if there was rumblings over a dramatic overthrow by a secret organization? Plus, none of these men had any direct ties or link to Weishaupt or the Illuminati in Germany. A fair point. But the Illuminati were a secret group. Could it have been possible for them to only infiltrate the groups later affiliated with the Jacobins? Not a bad idea. The only problem is the Illuminati had yet to expand outside of Germany prior to their destruction. True, they had infiltrated and taken over several Freemason lodges, but they were shut down fairly quickly after their discovery by Duke Carl Theodore. Now, you could make the argument that revolutionaries in France read Weishaupt's numerous books on Illuminati philosophy from the late 1780s into the 1790s, but even then, most of those were in German at the time. Also, let's not forget the time period and major movement that helped bring the revolution into existence. The Enlightenment? Exactly. The Illuminati wasn't the first group to tout anti-clerical ideas. Many other philosophers, like Voltaire and Rousseau, had been around before the Illuminati had even formed. All the Illuminati did was further spread the word of these men. Like-minded ideas do not account for conspiracy. True, the revolution severely suppressed the Catholic Church. But Catholicism wasn't completely destroyed nor ousted from France. Also, keep in mind, the goal of the revolution wasn't to destroy the Church. The goal was establishing a fair and just government that properly represented the middle and lower classes. So, what's your overall rating on the plausibility of this theory? Overall, I'd say this theory is a 5 out of 10 on the plausibility scale. I can see where some people might see a connection between the Illuminati and the French Revolution, but that connection is still pretty thin at best. Still, the damage had been done. Thanks to the books written by Barwell and Robeson, the Illuminati slowly but surely became the center of conspiracy theories worldwide. Pretty soon, any time there was any sort of upheaval in political power, the Illuminati were blamed. They were now the default conspiracy behind most major world events for the next 200 years. Let's delve into conspiracy theory two how the Illuminati influenced and steered world history into the present. In 1848, nearly 20 years after the founder of the Illuminati's death, the Spring of Nations occurred. It was an attempt throughout most of Europe to remove the old feudal structures that held many people down and create independent nation-states. However, the movement ultimately failed and only brought about minor changes. Again, the Illuminati were suggested to have played a hand in influencing these revolutions, though no concrete evidence was ever brought forth. Sixty years later, World War I broke out. Once again, Europe, along with the rest of the world, was thrown into chaos. People looked for those to blame. 
I think you can guess who some people blamed. According to conspiracy theorists like M. Juan in his book Revue Internationale des Sociétés Secrètes, the Illuminati may have secretly been funding extremist Marxist groups that were part of the World Revolution movement. The World Revolution movement was a Marxist movement designed to overthrow governments by organizing the working class. These groups purportedly had a hand in assassinations of numerous world leaders from 1898 to 1908. These included the Empress of Austria in 1898, King Hubert in 1900, President McKinley in 1901, Grand Duke Sergei of Russia in 1905, and the King and Prince of Portugal in 1908. Interestingly enough, the master of the Freemason Lodge of Portugal gave a lecture in Paris shortly before Portugal's royal family's assassination. There he talked about how to overthrow monarchy and cited assassination as one of the best ways to do so. Of course, that was a Freemason and not an Illuminati member, correct? Correct. And again, this feels more like coincidence or even wishful thinking. There's no evidence of the Illuminati having survived Bavaria. If anything, we should be looking more into the Freemasons and their connections to the assassinations. True. Well, from there, the rest of history is filled with similar accusations of the Illuminati staging events, like the Bolshevik Revolution, Hitler's rise to power in World War II, the Cold War, and even modern-day events like 9-11 and mass shootings across America. Yet none offer hard evidence to back up their claims. It's important to note that most of these theories also rewrote much of what the Illuminati were and where they came from. No longer a simple Bavarian secret society, extremist writers like Nesta Webster, Edith Miller, Gerald Burton Winrod, and John Birch preached of the Illuminati as a diabolical Jewish cabal who practiced human sacrifices and controlled the banking spheres of the world which is absurd on many levels and does not reflect my beliefs, Carter's, or Parcast's. That's right. But let's continue down this evolution of the new Illuminati. According to these extremist writers, the Illuminati still operates within the shadows and seeks total and complete world domination. To do this, the Illuminati doesn't just infiltrate major political groups, but also major institutions and industries like the banking system. Once inside, they play world powers against one another until only Illuminati members are left in complete control. The Illuminati's origins have also changed in this theory. No longer a simple Bavarian offshoot of the Freemasons, the Illuminati are now a true ancient and diabolical society dating all the way back to ancient Egypt and the Brotherhood of the Snake. While little is known of this group, or even if it really existed, supposedly it was a mystic and sinister order who controlled much of Egypt behind the scenes. This order is believed to have survived through the centuries, becoming the Illuminati. Uh, where did the Jewish part come from? Stereotypes and anti-Semitism, I'm afraid. During the time of these conspiracy theories' birth, many notable banks and financial firms were run by Jewish men. Disenfranchised Christians blamed these men for their woes and drew conclusions that they must all be working together to destroy their way of life and values. One proponent of such ideas, John Birch, even created a society, the John Birch Society, to combat the Illuminati. He lectured on how think tanks, 
gentlemen's clubs, and collegiate fraternities were all a part of the Illuminati conspiracy sent to control us all. Weird. Well, because of these writers, much of the Illuminati was fundamentally changed to the all-powerful secret society we know today. But what do you think, Molly? How plausible is it the Illuminati steered almost all major world events during the 19th and 20th century? On the 1 to 10 scale, I'd say 1 out of 10. With much of these theories, we're given even less to go on than with the French Revolution theory. All of these theories rely solely on associations with the Freemasons and like-minded thinking of Enlightenment philosophers. Coincidence, that's all it really comes down to. An excellent point. But let's say for argument's sake, there is a secret group that has survived all the way from ancient Egypt and into the modern era. Well, that leaves two questions. Who's running the new Illuminati and what are its plans? Much like its real life ancestor, the modern conspiracy theory, Illuminati seeks control through infiltrating major institutions and to rule from the shadows. However, the modern Illuminati has much more radical plans. If conspiracy theories are to be believed, the Illuminati hopes to create a dystopian future where only the elite survive and the lower classes suffer. This plan is called the New World Order. We'll return to our story in just a moment from the ParCast Network. Now our story continues. Now that we've gone through the Illuminati's potential role in steering major historical events, Let's get into the third conspiracy, the Illuminati's master plan to take over the world, the New World Order Conspiracy. Since the Illuminati's inception, the secret society's public perception has gone through massive ideological changes. At first, they were anarchists, hell-bent on destroying religion. Then, in the late 19th and early 20th century, they became a Jewish cabal, whose plan was to replace capitalism with communism. Now, it seems they are a secret ruling class with machinations to control the world. But how are they going to do this? The New World Order Conspiracy, or simply dubbed the NWO, is a plan in which a secretive global elite will usurp power in various organizations around the world, pushing for one unified globalist government. This government would exact absolute dictatorial control, forcing mankind into a futuristic feudal system of servitude. To instate this new system of tyrannical rule, conspiracy theorists suggest the NWO will create conditions in which people will voluntarily give up their freedoms. These range from proxy wars, creating pandemics, and even staging false flag terrorist attacks. This will provoke a police state where the Illuminati, disguised as the ruling class, will enter and offer security, but at the cost of the world's freedom, at which point society will be ensnared. Some of the most extreme tenets of this plan are to abolish any and all free speech or expression, eugenics, the genocide of certain populations, mandatory tracking and vaccination of the civilian population, extreme surveillance activity, and even the supposed normalization of human sacrifices, drug use, and sexual deviancy. Ugh. Talk about an extreme nightmare scenario. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> now, is there any evidence to back this up? According to conspiracy theorists, yes. 
Many conspiracy theorists point to the UN and NATO as Illuminati factions due to their globalist agendas. They also point to a number of U.S. policies in regard to the rise in homeland surveillance and martial law plans, readiness exercises like the Patriot Act and Rex 82. I can see where mass surveillance would have theorists worried. We already know that much of our information is stored on the web and is tracked by businesses like Google, Amazon, and Facebook. All of these companies track your searches and use them to send you ads. The government hasn't been much better at times, such as in Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA. In this, the NSA is allowed to collect electronic communications from foreigners living in the U.S. and abroad. This means they can read our texts, emails, or any kind of electronic message. This was born out of the electronic surveillance program from the Patriot Act signed by President George W. Bush after 9-11. Both these and the USA Freedom Act employ massive surveillance systems that many worry could be abused to spy on innocent Americans. And what about these other plans, the ones involving martial law? Well, according to conspiracy theorists, the U.S. has been developing plans laid out by the Illuminati to disband the Constitution in the event of a major disaster or international incidents. These incidents could be anything from global pandemics, enemy invasions, or even taking advantage of major natural disasters. Regardless of the kind of incident, the goal would be to move in during all the pandemonium and destruction and force the U.S. to disband the Constitution in an effort to maintain order. Once the U.S. Constitution is disbanded, the police would become militarized and begin suppressing any sort of rebellion or revolt in protest. Still though, where's the evidence that the government would or has plans to do this? Here's the scary part. According to documents and accounts published in newspapers like the Miami Herald, books like Break-Ins, Death Threats, and the FBI, and with transcripts from the Iran-Contra congressional hearings in 1987, the U.S. has worked on plans to suppress major civilian uprisings. Wait, what? Starting around the 1980s, the National Guard, along with FEMA and the Department of Defense, participated in biannual joint exercises testing civilian mobilization, security emergency, and counterterrorism. The goal of these tests were to see how well they could put down civilian uprisings. These tests involved agencies such as the CIA, Secret Service, FBI, Treasury, and the Veterans Administration. Agencies were supposed to trust to protect us. The tests anticipated civil disturbances and major demonstrations that would, quote, require military implementation on civilian populations. To put it in simpler terms, demonstrations that would require the use of military weaponry and tactics to keep civilians down. This includes imposing martial law and unified arrests in targeted segments of the population. So they could basically arrest whoever they wanted if they felt it was necessary. What's even more horrifying is that these tests weren't only real, but were performed multiple times to ensure victory over American citizens. These tests, dubbed Proud Saver, Rex 82, Rex 84, Pre-Nest, and Night Train, were written out in the Civil Military Alliance in Emergency Management paper. Written in January of 1982 by the DOD and FEMA, this paper wanted to expand FEMA's power. 
granting it access to near unlimited resources from the National Guard and private sectors such as banks, transportation systems, and communication lines. That means if a major disaster, staged by the Illuminati, did happen, FEMA could exercise near-complete control of where we went, who we talked to, even our access to our own money. That's terrifying. No joke. What's even scarier than that is one year later, General Frank S. Salcedo, chief of FEMA's Civil Security Division, wanted to expand on this idea. In a meeting of the Academy of Criminal Justice Sciences in 1983, Salcedo recommended training FEMA operatives in survival techniques, imposing martial law and threat assessment. The idea was to stamp out civil dissent in times of national or global crisis. So not only would you be dealing with a massively organized military force, but one specifically trained in hunting you. Thankfully, the Attorney General at the time, William French Smith, read about these motives in a request to add these powers into Executive Order 11490, which is the order that assigns emergency preparedness functions to federal departments and agencies. He was appalled and condemned such plans in a letter sent August 2nd, 1984. Thus, the proposed additions were killed. The Illuminati is usually pointed to as the dark cabal controlling these actions from behind the scenes. The Illuminati are also said to be pushing its plans for a new world order through three major international organizations, the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, and the Bilderberg Group. The Trilateral Commission is a non-governmental, non-partisan discussion group founded by David Rockefeller in July of 1973. The goal of the group was to foster cooperation between North America, Japan, and Western Europe due to their economic size. The group would meet biannually and discuss ongoing problems regarding the world in relation to those three areas, hence the name Trilateral Commission. Similar to the Trilateral Commission is the Council on Foreign Relations. It's a nonprofit think tank also funded by the Rockefellers. Unlike the Trilateral Commission, its sole purpose is to specialize in foreign policy for the United States. And last, but certainly not least, is the Bilderberg Group. This organization is an annual conference met between elites from the U.S. and Europe. Some 100 to 150 people come to this conference, comprised of the world's top industry experts, politicians, academics, and media outlets. Like the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group meets to discuss world events, but doesn't offer any form of solution. The group claims its only agenda is private discussion between the world's elite without scrutiny of the public. The Bilderbergs have met since 1956 and had their 60th anniversary in June of 2016. While some criticize the secrecy of the group, there is a public website that lists both attendees and planned discussion topics. Attendees included National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster, Secretary General of NATO Jen Stoltenberg, Chairman and CEO of AT&T Randall L. Stevenson, and author and columnist at the Wall Street Journal Peggy Noonan. Topics that were discussed covered China, the slowing down of globalization, the direction of the EU, the Transatlantic Defense Alliance, and the Trump administration. Those are some serious players and topics. And, of course, none of what they said is disclosed, correct? Nope. Figures. 
Well, it's no wonder the Bilderbergs, along with the other aforementioned think tanks, are subject to many conspiracy theories. They're so tight-lipped. Some even accuse the various group's members of helping each other outside of official meetings, pointing to how Bill Clinton was invited to Bilderberg meetings, along with Tony Blair, before they were elected president and prime minister, respectively. Thus, such groups have spurred the imaginations of conspiracy theorists, demanding to know if they have nefarious plans for us in the world we live in. The most popular being that the Illuminati controls these three groups in order to support their globalist plan of world domination. Conspiracy theorists suggest that the Illuminati use these globalist think tanks as recruiting grounds as well as safe spaces to push their agendas. Once enough members are acquired and total takeover is assured, the Illuminati plan to enact their new world order. What do you think, Carter? How plausible is a new world order conspiracy plan? Uh, I'm going to go low and say three out of ten. While the various government acts do raise eyebrows about what our government was thinking, there's still no evidence that really suggests that these think tanks or organizations are in league with each other, let alone the Illuminati. Also, there's no evidence that this new Illuminati even exists. But let's say for argument's sake such a group did. You'd have to secure every major office in both the Western and Eastern geopolitical sphere, covertly conceal your affairs from the populace, and somehow manage to amass forces large enough to do this without drawing attention to yourself. The amount of manpower that would be required to pull off any sort of global takeover on that scale would require hundreds of millions of operatives. Operatives you trusted not to give away your plans, I might add. The Illuminati couldn't even take over Germany's Freemason lodges without getting caught. Okay, again. Let's say for argument's sake, there really is a secret order out to control the world. That means there has to be real people involved, right? So who are these people? Once again, the theorists have an answer, or at least a theory. The theory is that the Illuminati and its various members are elite men and women from all corners of the entertainment, political, and business spectrum, all of whom are controlled by 13 bloodlines. The Astors, Bundys, Collins, Duponts, Freemans, Kennedys, Lees, Onassis, Rockefellers, Russells, Van Dynes, and the Rothschilds. Our story will continue in a moment after the break. Now, the story continues. So, we've gone over the conspiracy that the Illuminati survived its death and influenced the world, and its plan for world domination through the New World Order. Now we need to settle the fourth and final conspiracy theory we're discussing today. Who's actually in the Illuminati? Exactly. After all, the Illuminati we knew died out in 1785, with their founder dying in 1830. So, who's running this evil globalist show? And how far does its reach truly extend? According to conspiracy theorists, the Illuminati have infiltrated nearly every facet of our society, from politics to banking and even our media. Today, notable Illuminati members in politics and religion are supposedly President Obama, the Bush and Clinton families, Pope Francis, the entire British monarchy, and Angela Merkel. The accusations don't stop there. The media is said to be especially ingrained in the Illuminati, with members of the entertainment elite being high-ranking officials. Such members include Jay-Z and Beyonce, 
Katy Perry, George Clooney, Angelina Jolie, Eminem, and the Kardashians. Ah, I knew those Kardashians couldn't be trusted. (laughs) You might notice that many of the entertainment industry Illuminati members are from the music industry. Why is that? The answers, at least according to conspiracy theorists, are in the music videos. Like people who used to play records backwards to hear Satan, conspiracy theorists have scrutinized music videos to look for Illuminati and Freemason symbolism. The most common music video images associated with the Illuminati are the all-seeing eye, triangle or pyramids, the pentagram, and a litany of hand signs. The all-seeing eye represents the knowledge of providence, or the divine, watching over us. In this case, however, the eye represents the Illuminati watching over its members and the world. Think the Eye of Sauron in The Lord of the Rings, but scarier. The pyramid and triangle are usually associated with the Holy Trinity of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The pentagram has a variety of meanings and associations, though here it represents mysticism and alchemy in the Freemasons. The same is true for the hand signs used by these musicians. For example, covering one eye to represent hidden truth, holding up your pinky, ring, and index finger for 666 or the number of the devil, making a diamond or triangle for the all-seeing eye, or making horns with your pinky and pointer finger. Though I think that last one just means rock and roll. Regardless, these symbols and more have been seen in countless music videos and live performances by some of the music industry's biggest stars, notably Jay-Z. Symbols show up in his music videos, songs like Freemason by Rick Ross featuring Jay-Z, and even Jay-Z's clothing line, Rockefeller, a play on the Rockefeller family who's also supposedly associated with the Illuminati. Other artists like Lady Gaga, Lil Wayne, Eminem, and Katy Perry use supposed Illuminati symbolism in songs like Love Me, Judas, Dark Horse, and Monster. Supposedly, this is the Illuminati's attempt at subliminal brainwashing. Yeah, but the all-seeing eye, the pyramids, pentagrams, those aren't even Illuminati symbols. That's Freemason iconography, right? Right, you are. Most of the images we see today that are associated with the Illuminati aren't even related to the Illuminati. The Illuminati's main symbol was the Owl of Minerva, but even that was taken by other secret societies and fraternities alike, including the Freemasons. That being said, the Illuminati did infiltrate the Freemasons, and many conspiracy theorists suspect the Illuminati still control them, so I guess they could be Illuminati symbols as well. Though I find that connection pretty thin. Is it really a sign of membership or just a clever marketing ploy that catches everyone's attention? What's the plausibility of Hollywood and the music industry being a part of the Illuminati, Molly? One out of ten at best. This strikes me as clever marketing. Most of these stars know that fans are scrutinizing everything. Why not build up their myth by using forbidden or spooky images? All this does is provoke audience members' imaginations. Mm, Good point. Besides, if they were in the Illuminati, they'd want to keep those images a secret. It's more plausible Hollywood is selling us the Illuminati than actually being in it. But for argument's sake, let's say they are all in the Illuminati. At the top of the conspiratorial pyramid, who's in charge? Aliens? (laughs) I'm sure they're in there somewhere. But no, according to conspiracy theorists today, 
The Illuminati is controlled by 13 bloodlines or 13 families. These are some of the most influential and powerful families in the world, which is probably why they're linked to such a scary organization like the Illuminati. As we said before, these 13 families are the Astors, Bundys, Collins, DuPonts, Freemans, Kennedys, Lees, Onassis, Rockefellers, Russells, Van Dynes, and the Rothschilds at the top. So who are these leading members and how do they control the Illuminati? These are some of the richest and most influential families in world history. Together, they rule over the Illuminati as a wise council, deciding and dictating the best course of action for the society. Using their immense wealth, they also fund most of the Illuminati's sinister activities. Remember the Trilateral Commission from earlier? David Rockefeller, grandson of John D. Rockefeller, founded it in 1973. The Rockefellers also funded eugenics during World War II in Nazi Germany. Through the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute of Anthropology, Human Heredity, and Eugenics in 1930. Wild. What about the other families and their roles? What did the Kennedys do? The Kennedys were part of the Illuminati's plan to control the American government by creating a political dynasty. Though supposedly JFK fought back against them and was assassinated because of it. Oddly, Jackie Kennedy's second husband after JFK was a man named Aristotle Onassis. And Onassis is one of the 13 Illuminati bloodlines, known for controlling international shipping. I feel like now we're starting to hit on something weird. What about the other families? The Astors, Russells, Collins, DuPonts, and Van Dynes families stretch back to the 1720s in New York and on the Upper East Coast. They are major industrial business families. For example, the Astors got set up through the fur trade and eventually real estate through John Astor, one of the richest people in history. Various parts of New York are named after them, such as Astoria, Astor Row, Astor Court, Astor Place, and the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. The Bundys, like the Kennedys, are associated through American politics. Hollister Bundy, along with his two sons, William and McGeorge Bundy, all served in key government roles dating back to the 40s with the Manhattan Project, CIA, and the Council on Foreign Relations. The Lees, Rothschilds, and Onassis oversee much of Europe and Asia. We already mentioned that Onassis handles international trade. The Lees have close ties with China's ruling Communist Party. Members of the family include Li Ka-shing, the Hong Kong billionaire, and Li Pong, the fourth premier of China during the late 80s. But at the top of these families is the most powerful bloodline, the Rothschilds. What's so special about the Rothschilds? The Rothschilds can be traced back to when Weishaupt first founded the Illuminati, and some say they provoked him to do so. What? I know. The Rothschilds are best known for establishing a family system of banks spanning across Europe. This was done by the family's patriarch, Meyer Amschel Rothschild, in the 1760s. Over the next two and a half centuries, the Rothschilds have grown into one of the wealthiest families in the world, not just profiting off banking, but real estate, energy, farming, winemaking, etc. There's little the Rothschilds don't have their hands in. Oddly enough, Meyer Rothschild was employed by the elector of Hesse Castle, William I. William, who was a member of Weishaupt's Illuminati. From there, conspiracy theories run amok with ideas like Rothschild secretly working with Weishaupt through William 
and made plans to take over the order should anything happen. Or Meyer Rothschild was in charge the whole time and instructed Weishaupt to create the Illuminati in the first place. Again, there's little to no evidence to indicate any of this other than hearsay. And that's where a lot of the Illuminati comes from. Word of mouth. What do you think, Molly? What's your plausibility rating? I'm going to have to say 6 out of 10 again. While it's weird how interrelated some of these people's interactions are, like with the Kennedys and Onassis's, or how David Rockefeller founded the Trilateral Commission, I can't help but feel we're dealing with adjacency. Sure, it's weird that the Rothschilds are so wealthy and were one degree separated from Adam Weishaupt, but the Rothschilds never joined the Illuminati or had direct contact with him as far as we know. Now, hypothetically, you could make the argument that most people haven't heard of the Astors, Bundys, Collins, or even the Rothschilds. So perhaps you could have some interaction between all of them, but that's easily destroyed by one thing, modern technology. With resources like the internet, it would be near impossible for such a massive super organization like that to conceal itself without leaving obvious traces. Again, the original Illuminati were caught fairly quickly once word got out about them. Now think about how quickly that would have been nowadays, especially with hackers and things like the Patriot Act, which sole purpose is to look for subversive groups and dispatch them. I just don't see it working. Makes sense. Well, regardless, the Illuminati are a fascinating conspiracy theory. Not only are they one of the oldest, but perhaps the most prestigious secret society among conspiracy theories. Weishaupt's Illuminati essentially evolved from nothing. Starting out as a tiny band of radical enlightenment thinkers, they grew into a universal evil for radical people. Really, the Illuminati is the unseen cabal of evil that we turn to when we suspect something is off with the world around us, thus making them the world's all-time favorite conspiracy theory. So, there it is. The Illuminati conspiracy, or should I say, conspiracies, laid out in all their glory. What do you think, Carter? Mm, it's definitely a lot to digest. I still can't believe that such a small group in Bavaria, Germany, turned into such a massive mythology, considering they died out in 1785. Indeed. It's been fascinating talking about their evolution from an off-branch of the Freemasons to supposed de facto evil super-organization pulling our strings. Not to mention how they've become almost a parody of themselves through pop culture today. But whether you chose to believe in them or not, I guess in the end, Weishaupt got what he wanted. Hmm, really? How do you figure that, Molly? Think about it. What was the one thing Weishaupt wanted the Illuminati to do? Steer and or control civilization? Exactly. And even if the Illuminati didn't survive past 1785, look at what it's done to the world. Everything we've covered in the last two shows, how the Illuminati has grown to become the staple of not just American culture, but Western culture in general. How their symbols and iconography have become pervasive throughout our media. The Illuminati don't have to be real to steer us. Their mythology has already inspired countless films, movies, TV shows, and even suspicion and thoughts regarding seemingly dangerous politics. Though some of those suspicions have warped into fantastic and near-impossible conspiracy theories. 
The fact of the matter is, real or not, the Illuminati are influencing us. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. I'm Molly Brandenburg. And I'm Carter Roy. If you want to hear more Conspiracy Theories, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. Tell us your favorite Conspiracy Theories on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, and on Twitter at Parcast Network. And remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories was created by Max Cutler, it is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Paul Mahler, additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Conspiracy Theories is written by Michael Pindus and stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. 